Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer for Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the UK commodity markets by my colleague Jason Durden, our Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management. Now, Jason, again, as usual, it's difficult to know where to start with so much going on in the markets, but oil will be a sensible place, and there are tensions in both directions, aren't there? Concerns about demand destruction, but concerns about availability of supply. So what does that mean for oil at the moment? Indeed, Jeremy. I think uh, there's a big battle in Brent at the $100 support resistance level. We've seen trading both sides of that in uh, as we've gone into April. Um, I think the most important thing is the, the two drivers that uh, perhaps are, are trumping what's going on in terms of uh, supply concerns at the moment are the beginnings of some economic signals, uh, industrial production for February and GDP for February in the UK, good examples. Also, hedge funds obviously looking longer term, looking, you know, what is the recessionary impact of this and when does it start? Where do we, you know, where do we want to be on that? So that sort of conversation going on in the background, of course, you've got at the front end, you've got war, you've got Russia, one of the world's largest producers of oil you've got uh, opec being summoned um, or holding a meeting yesterday in uh, vienna telling uh, the eu and others that uh, you know russia is seven million barrels a day of exports and uh, you you aren't going to replace that in a hurry i think that's a little bit of positioning for them but um yeah, there's this big battle, whereas we could argue that the whole gas market and power market has run away into la-la land. I think oil, really oil at $100, it's nothing we haven't seen before. It is not unreasonable, I don't think. You know, anywhere was sort of in the in the one, 120, maybe even $80. But it seems to me to be, I suppose, uh, a big battleground at the moment over short-term dynamics and, you know, long-term outcomes because high energy prices, particularly those that are seen in power and gas, are incredibly recessionary. Uh, And it's about when that happens. And uh, I think, you know, oil being the asset class it is, is kind of just reflecting the wider debate. Well, on that rather depressing but probably accurate point about the question of recession and what high energy prices are doing to economic activity in the UK, Europe and globally, uh, it's not a pretty picture, is it? And in the past, high commodity prices have indeed preceded uh, recessions or reductions in, in the rate of growth. Now, perhaps things are not quite, you know, our economy is not as energy intensive as in, in the 1970s, for example. But nonetheless, high oil prices, high gas prices, high power prices, they do have an effect on energy intensive industries and on economic activity generally, don't they? So, uh, you know, what, uh, and if you, course, if you couple that with concerns about what's happening in China and lockdowns, uh, this is all quite bearish news, I would have thought, isn't it, for the markets? I think so. The problem is we're in such a volatile environment where volatility is king. There's, you know, headline trading. Of course, developments in the war in Ukraine and the impact on Russian supply is in the very short term um, a significant driver. I suppose the question, because markets and, and, and analysts are always looking to, you know, what happens next, it really is so the war eventually gets resolved as all of these things do it's what part energy plays in the resolution of that going forward clearly the us have now carved the market they craved for uh, lng in europe by you know stepping up the pressure uh, initially on um, various pipelines 
I suppose the question is, does the EU and Germany go back to Russian oil and gas as part of a post-settlement? I think the, the interesting thing about developments at the moment is that no one that I've spoken to can see the off-ramp on this one. And, uh, you know, one always has to have a mind in these sorts of disputes and, uh, and conflicts is that uh, there has to be an amicable solution for, for everybody come the end of uh, the atrocities that are going on at the moment. Well, indeed, and let's hope that comes sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, and people sometimes wonder, well, why does it matter so much getting off Russian and oil and gas to a country like the UK, which, relatively speaking, consumes uh, not so much as our our European neighbours in physical terms. But, of course, we're part of international markets. You take Russian oil supply out out of the global market, that has an impact. You take Russian gas supply out of the European market, that affects the price at which gas is sold in the UK as well, doesn't it? So, you know, even if we weren't consuming any of that in the UK, we'd be feeling the price effects, I think, at the moment. Totally. Classic example is since we've moved into the summer season, uh, exports into the continent from uh, the UK in gas have uh, pushed UK demand, which was stubbornly below seasonal normal expectations all winter. Suddenly, we are well above seasonal normal expectations because 90 million cubic metres a day is going into Europe from the UK. Now, it's a well-established transit route for Norwegian exports. So we can't say that that's clearly all a result of this. But, you know, the the targets the EU set for reaching 80 and 90 percent of uh, storage requirement before the end of this winter or the reiteration that they will not move away from that means that uh, I think uh, there is a demand there despite the price um, that is sending clear signals to the market. So. If we are exporting gas into these markets and we are competing with these markets for LNG, um, which we are, then uh, the UK is not an energy island. Well, indeed, and in, in, in certain respects, that's a good thing. But at times when prices are high elsewhere, uh, you kind of wonder as far as consumers are concerned. And of course, there's a similar situation in power generation. We're used to the UK being a net importer of power from continental Europe and for our wholesale prices to be slightly higher here. But that's not always the case, is it? And, and at the moment, we've seen power flows exporting from the UK, partly due to differences in the performance of the nuclear fleet on either side of the channel. So to what's been happening there so edf have been a tale of two businesses really in terms of uk so over the first quarter of the year the uk enjoyed nearly nine uh, percent more nuclear production than the uh, corresponding period the previous year and in march alone that was up 28 percent 4.1 terawatts was generated during that period and that's obviously come at a time that's been really helpful in terms of uh, moderating the, the big volatile swings in uk prices and i think you know where we've seen power has probably been a little more muted and a little more uh, yeah less volatile than, than than gas prices but if we turn our attention to what's going on on our near neighbours, uh, the French and obviously the largest uh, nuclear market there, we can see 15% down in generation in terms of March because of the checks that are having to be done on these uh, possible corrosion that's been found at some of the reactors where they've done maintenance. 
7.6% down in Q1. But the killer one here is as we sit in April, early April, 43% currently offline. And if we delve down into the figures, only one of the offline uh, reactors is an unplanned outage. And, uh, and that's due to be commissioned again tomorrow. So really, this is all about the F statement uh, in the winter that they'd found some cracks and some corrosion, I think, was the uh, the key word, and that they were going to extend. I mean, I suppose one could say this is the start of the summer season, but clearly, you know, we are feeling the impact of that as well. And uh, it's obviously being reflected in the uh, price in France uh, and spilling into Germany. And once again, tying back in with what you were saying about uh, exports and us being an island, that is a very supportive factor in UK power pricing at the moment. Right. Well, let's hope at least some of that gets resolved sooner rather than later. Europe and indeed the UK needs all the power generation we can get our hands on at the moment that's firm and secure and not dependent on Russian supplies. And the more of that that's low carbon like nuclear, the better from an environmental perspective. Turning to the sort of forward markets now and looking you know, into the year ahead and slightly beyond, what's your feeling? Uh, I mean, obviously, there are some, some interests in keeping those prices high as far as producers are concerned. Is that what's keeping market prices up or are we in for a very difficult position you know on supply demand balance for the next couple of years do you think well it really does the energy settlement as i'm calling it i think it's how the russian longer term influence plays out i mean for sure it gives a driver to and an impetus to those who wanted to push the green and renewable agenda uh, and that probably isn't a bad thing however you know the reality is that as I said earlier, I think there has to be some kind of energy settlement in the Ukraine-Russia West settlement when and hopefully very quickly we get to that point. But yeah, certainly in terms of uh, longer term outlooks, we can see that the discounts, particularly in gas, but also in power that were offered in 23, the backwardation in the structure of the market is eroding. I think there's a couple of things going on there. One, we're seeing sort of four to five week lows on summer 22 and residual 22 pricing. But if we start to go out sort of beyond uh, this time next year, so summer 23, winter 23 and into summer 24, we're seeing a little bit of buying interest. We're seeing very little selling interest. And obviously the generators and the uh, power companies are making buyers pay a pretty penny for these uh, these contracts at the moment. So we've got a diverged market where we're seeing softness at the front end and we're seeing big increases on the back end. Perhaps reaching the point where technical resistance might slow down, but it, it does depend. Uh, we're seeing you know industrial and commercial buyers that perhaps aren't energy intensive or aren't uh, exposed to uh, sort of the vagaries of the spot market on the front end are looking further, uh, are now looking into 23 and are sort of um, tentatively dipping a toe into buying that energy. And um, those prices are quickly closing up on, uh, on the front end prices. So I do concern that actually by the time we get to 23, there might be the, uh, a significant recession. Uh, and, and as you alluded to and we discussed earlier, you know, uh, energy prices are not high in, in most recessionary environments. 
Well, indeed. And But before we get there, assuming we do, it's tempting to think that there are things governments can do to alleviate the situation in the short term. That's not always the case. We've heard some very interesting announcements about long-term strategy, which are encouraging and probably somewhat overdue, but they won't affect the market for years, possibly decades to come. You know, there aren't many levers, are there? I mean, you've been in the United States recently yourself. There's been the discussion about how influential opening up oil reserves is. It's symbolically significant, but once you've pulled that lever, you can't really pull it again, can you? So is there much more that can be done in the short term as far as government's concerned, or is it a question of grinning and bearing it? We have seen a little bit of reality being faced, you know, rather than, uh, dare I say, virtue signalling through 161 characters or less. We have actually seen some policy decisions that actually resemble a long-term policy, and they must be welcomed. I do think that there's been a reality strike on long-term direction uh, and what we need to uh, you know, have a uh, safe, stable and secure and affordable uh, long-term energy outlook. But in terms of the short-term, a supply crisis is exactly that. It is a supply crisis. Governments are probably limited into what they can actually do. Um, I would like to see a little bit more effort into resolving rather than fanning the flames of the conflicts that are currently raging. Uh, As I said, you know, um, not from a geopolitical point of view, but from an energy point of view, you can't take one of the largest energy producers in the world out of the mix and pretend everything's going to be normal because it just isn't. Well, that's absolutely true, Jason. So thank you for navigating us through all that. Our long-term direction for energy may be pretty similar. We all want to see secure and low-carbon supplies in the long run, but the route we're going to have to take to get there uh, looks like it's shifting rather a lot as a result of changes in recent circumstances. I hope you found that interesting too. Uh, If you'd like to find out more, have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. Have a look at our reports there, and we hope you're able to join us for a podcast again very soon. 